you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Uh, The Holy Ghost has been with us in this service already tonight. I have sensed and felt the presence of the Lord. Thank you to our elders for responding in worship tonight and leading us in worship. John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to preach just a little while tonight. I am so thankful that you chose to come out on this rainy and dreary November night. The Lord has not disappointed us. He's already met with us here, but He is not done. And I know he is going to continue what he has started in this house tonight. The message I'm going to preach tonight, the effects of the message will be less visible tonight than it should be tomorrow and through the rest of this week. And our church service next weekend ought to be affected by what I'm going to preach to you tonight. As I look around the room tonight, we have guests. God bless you. Thank you. Would you give our guests a great big hand tonight? Thank you for being here. But for the most part, This is our CLC family. Look around you, and if there's somebody you don't know, just let them know you're my family. I haven't met you yet, but you're still my family, and I'm going to get to know you. We're very excited. We're going to be reaching out to you in the next few days. We have a new membership luncheon that is coming up, and we want to connect in a more close-knit way with our newer members and have an opportunity to talk with you and you with us and just kind of get to know one another a little bit. It's kind of hard in church to really get to know people in a real way. And we have had such incredible growth over the last little while, a lot of new members. We're thanking God for that. So we're going to have a new members luncheon. It's going to be an opportunity for our staff and some of our leaders and elders in the church and my wife and I and Brother Sister Lytle to get to meet you and get to know you in a little closer way. We're excited about that. So if you're a new member, be watching for that information. We're excited about it. But next week, next week, if what I preach tonight finds a lodging place in your heart, we ought to have about all the 
the seats that are in this room tonight ought to be full next week. Because I'm going to preach to you about a subject that is very, very dear to my heart. It's dear to God's heart. And we're going to talk to you tonight about reaching the lost. About reaching the lost. John chapter 4, verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. This is one of those little pieces of scripture perhaps that when we read through, we just read this weird 15th, 16th century language. And when we read through it, we just kind of pass over it and fail to pull out the depth of that scripture to understand what the Holy Ghost is trying to speak to the modern day church. So by the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach to you why we must needs go through Samaria. Look at your neighbor and tell them we must needs go through Samaria. Lord, help us tonight. Your power and your presence has already been in this house. But Lord, we need you to speak through your word tonight because everything that's happened so far tonight amounts to nothing until a life has been changed. And I pray right now that the power of the Holy Ghost rests upon your saved people and that they walk out of the doors of this building and go to Samaria and win the world. I pray that your spirit imparts and impacts our lives in a powerful way, in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your other neighbor that you didn't tell the first time and tell him we must needs go through Samaria. You can be seated. God bless you. Jesus in his days of earthly ministry was traveling from Judea to Galilee. It wasn't uncommon to travel from Judea to Galilee. That was a normal trip for the Jews. Galilee is several miles north of Judea. And as with most journeys, there was an established route between Judea and Galilee that the Jewish people would always travel. It was a cultural thing. They would travel a specific road. It was a road along the path of the Jordan River. It was kind of an unwavering path. It only winded along the edge of the river bank. It was a rather straight road that had been cut along the edge of the river, which led directly into the area of the Sea of Galilee. However, our text makes a very interesting statement. Jesus is getting ready and preparing to make this trip. But Jesus makes a statement that he needed to go through Samaria. Why is this important? Why is this 
of such significance while there was a more direct route and a more established route that Jesus would normally have taken, he tells his disciples who were shocked by his appeal, Jesus chose to go an unusual route. He wanted to take the route less traveled and the longer route But there was a significant purpose because he used the word knees. The only reason that Jesus would travel this further distance and this different route was because there was a need that he needed to meet in Samaria. There was a need taking him through Samaria. So he says... I must needs go through Samaria. (coughs) The Jewish Pharisees would have gone, normally gone out of their way to avoid the Samaritans because the Jews and the Samaritans, they never mixed. They didn't socialize, they didn't talk. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans were looked at as such dogs that the Jewish people didn't even want to walk through their neighborhood. But Jesus looks at his disciples and tells these Jewish boys, we must needs go through Samaria. The Jewish Pharisees would have gone out of their way to avoid the Samaritans. Why is it that Jesus makes an issue and says, I need to go through Samaria? Jewish people didn't go through Samaria. The religious people of that day were far too superior and far too good to travel through the Gentile area like Samaria. Those people would never fit in with their form of worship. They would never fit into their small groups. They would never go to dinner together. They would never hang out, spend time, fellowship. And they certainly wouldn't go to the synagogue together. But Jesus looks at the disciples and says, we're going but we're going by way of Samaria because I needs to go there. Why does Jesus go out of his way to take the avoided road through the land occupied by the despised Samaritans? Why is it that he needed to go out of his way? Because there was a need in Samaria. Before he ever went there, because he was God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, God walking among men. He was prepared for the hard question that would come when he went there. He knew that he was about to be asked the question by the woman at the well, how is it that you, being a Jew, would ask of me a drink of water? He already knew what was going to happen. He already understood it, but he didn't tell all of it. A Samaritan woman bringing a man, a Jewish man, a drink. What is this all about? What is this need really dealing with? 
It was all part of his master plan. He must needs go through Samaria. Jesus knew that there was a place in Samaria that was called Jacob's well. There was water at the well. Jesus said that he was thirsty. The scripture gives us reference that he was wearied in his journey because he took the route less traveled, the more difficult path, the unusual way out of his way into Samaria. But when he goes there, he goes straight to a well. But of course, he went to the place of Jacob's well because he was wearied in his journey. He knew that in Samaria, that his need there was a matter of someone's divine destiny. He knew that at the sixth hour, a Samaritan lady was going to come by the well. It was normal. That's what they did. He knew what to expect. Jesus knew that it was going to transpire. He must needs go through because he must needs to tell a Samaritan lady that if she would drink of the water that he could give her, that she would never thirst again. But Jesus, wearied in his journey, goes to a well and tells a Samaritan lady, woman, draw me some water. She looks and says, what are you even doing here at the well? And what fellowship would you with me, being a Jew, ask of me, a Samaritan, to give a drink of water? You, The well is deep and you don't even have anything to draw water with. What are you even doing here? Jesus, perhaps with a smirk on his face, looked at her and said, woman, you don't even know what I am doing here. I hear your questions, but the truth is, is I came here because I knew that you were going to be here and your need wasn't for water, but your need was for living water. He needed to tell a Samaritan lady who came because she was thirsty that she needed living water, that she would never thirst again. The interesting part of this story that speaks so vividly to the modern day church was that Jesus already knew that she had five husbands. And he also knew that the one she was living with was not her own. He already knew this. That certainly would never fit in with the Jewish culture. That certainly would never be acceptable in the Jewish synagogue. She would never have been there. As a matter of fact, the law would have declared that she should have been stoned. But Jesus declared, I need to get where that woman is. Because if I let the law loose on her, she's going to die. But if I can let mercy loose on her, she's going to drink of a living water and she's never going to thirst again. It's time for Christian Life Church to get to the point
point that everywhere we go, we're looking for someone that normally wouldn't fit in. But we're telling them, you need some living water. CLC, I come with a simple message tonight. We must needs go through Samaria. Look at your neighbor and tell them like you mean it. We need to go through Samaria. There are some places that we must go because there are people who are lost and on their way to a Satan's hell. On their way, lost, ready to go out into eternity to face God in judgment. That's why we need to go to Samaria. The issue is, as we come into this incredible facility that God has blessed us with, this beautiful church that God has blessed us with, and we worship with great music and good singing, and we have great evangelists come by, and we have great programming, and we're looking at one another, and we're complimenting the outfit that our neighbor wears, and we're asking them what kind of cologne or perfume they're wearing, and how nice they look, while all at the same time in Samaria, there is a woman with a need, and she thinks that what she needs is a drink of water, water, but what she really needs is a little mercy that will bring living water. We must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. The Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Jesus strategically went there because the sixth hour was about the time that the Samaritan women would have come to the well to draw water for themselves and for their household. Jesus strategically went to where they were. I'm about to preach now. I come tonight to declare to you that I have taken criticism from people who don't understand what we are doing. I've had people condemn me and talk about me and push me down and talk about the church. They don't understand what we're doing. What we experienced in this house tonight, our entire city needs to experience and feel the power of the Holy Ghost that was in this room. If you're in this room tonight and you didn't feel anything during the worship, here's what I challenge you to do next time that that kind of worship breaks out. Just step out of the pew where you are. Just get up here in the middle of where everybody's at and just clap and worship and do what everybody else is doing. It won't be long until you're going to get tuned in and quit thinking about what you got to do at work tomorrow and what's going on at home. And before long, you're going to get on location with God and the presence of God's going to sweep over you and you're going to have an experience with God 
thought that you haven't had in a long time. But I'm telling you something. There is a Samaria out there and they don't know what they're missing. While we're in a heavenly place tonight in Samaria, there's an adulterous woman that thinks she knows what she needs. But Jesus sent me to tell the church, go to Samaria and take them living water. When he arrived, he immediately went to the well because he knew there would be tired and thirsty people at the well. I refuse to just have good church. I refuse just to stay in the four walls. If you don't understand what we're doing, I know I've been condemned. This morning we had a lady here that we baptized seven or eight years ago in the city park. In an event that our church spent 22 thousand dollars in order to go to the park we baptized somebody remember we baptized something like 53 people in one month because we went outside of the church and took what we have in the church to Samaria pastor what do you mean Samaria I'm talking about to a people that don't know what they're missing. We spent a lot of money. I was criticized for spending so much money. What in the world are you doing? You tell me what the price of a soul is worth. Not not many, very few that we baptized in the park are still living for God, but I looked around and I thought I thought I saw Sister Tammy here tonight. I believe we might have baptized Sister Tammy. She came from Samaria. We had Tyra McGill was here this morning. She was up in the front. Some of you ladies were with her. We baptized her in the park. She's from Samaria. And such were some of you because God sent somebody to Samaria to preach a message to you of grace and mercy. The church has got to get out of the four walls and we've got to go to Samaria. We've got to take it, Brother Jerry, to Samaria. We've got to preach this gospel to the lost. What have we accomplished when we pat the musicians on the back and tell them what a great job they did? Or we compliment the pastor on social media for preaching a great message. But what have we really done until people from Samaria get a hold of the living water? My Lord, I feel so much Holy Ghost in this house. I can hardly contain myself. We must needs go through Samaria. Let me preach. I'm going to take a while. Jesus didn't go to Samaria looking for a righteous woman. He went looking for the lost and the lonely. He went looking for somebody that had a difficulty with relationships. He went looking for somebody who couldn't find her own way. If Jesus was looking for the righteous, he would have gone to the synagogue. 
But instead, Jesus went to the well because he was looking for a sinner. We need to go through Samaria. And when we get there, we need to take some living water. The only way to build a church, and I'm not talking about a physical building. We learned that three years of hard labor. The only way to grow a church, maybe I ought to say, is not by good preaching. Nothing wrong with it. We need it. Not by good music. Thank God we got a ton of it. Not by great programs and good Sunday school classes. Thank God. I pray we have the best. We're working to get better. We're trying to get better at everything we're doing. But where revival really is going to come from is when the church goes to Samaria. All through the New Testament, Jesus continually tells us to go. I was raised up in a generation where our prayer meetings consisted of us praying that God would send the lost into our church and send the lost to our services that they may get saved. I never find that model one time in the Bible. Every church that I know that is growing is not just praying that God would send them in. When God does that, wonderful. But I'm telling you how church growth ought to happen. It's when the church goes to Samaria Jesus said, go to the highways and to the hedges. Jesus said, go and compel them. Jesus said, go into all the world. Jesus said, teach them. Jesus said, baptize them. Jesus said, make disciples of them. Jesus said, go to Samaria. Jesus said, go. There's a need in Samaria. The woman didn't go to Jesus. Jesus went to the woman. The only reason that he went there, Jesus didn't go to Samaria for any other reason other than to take a woman, a message that would change her life. When he got through telling her about who he was in the living water, he told her, go and tell everybody. The greatest forms of church growth is to win a new convert. Spencer, I know you, you may share this in detail when you preach next time. But Spencer said to me in the hallway in Lebanon, he said, Dad, we've got more first-time guests here. I said, wonderful. I saw them. Where did they come from? He said, it's that new family. That new family brought their family, and this week that family brought another family. And let me tell you how it happened. It didn't happen because Spencer goes to Lebanon and sits in his office and prays that God would, would saturate the neighborhood. It doesn't happen because Spencer, Spencer does prayer walks around the neighborhood. It happens because Spencer has been going door to door in the neighborhood, knocking on doors, smiling, shaking hands, saying, I'm the campus pastor of the little church right here, and I just wanted to come meet you today. And if it's okay, I'm going to stop back by and check on you. If you ever need anything, let me know. And next week, he's Stops back by, knocks on the same doors. The next week he stops by. Before long they're expecting him. They sent bread to our house. Homemade bread that she made. She sent it home. Before long they said, you know what, I think we're going to come visit your church. 
about five weeks ago, the elderly couple showed up. They said, next week our kids are going to be with us. The kids came. This week the kids brought another family. Let me tell you how it happens. It happens when we go to Samaria and let them know Jesus loves you. There is hope for you. There is a chance for you. We need to go to Samaria. Where is your Samaria? Who lives in your Samaria? She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. There was no social connection. But that didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. What a horrible, horrific declaration and accusation against Jesus. A friend of sinners? Hmm. I wonder what would happen if about 200 people in this room tonight would be a friend to a sinner this week. I can guarantee you one thing, that this staff, this church, and there better not be anybody that sits down the aisle from you, looks at you funny and says, what are you doing going to lunch with them? We need to go to Samaria, and we need to take Jesus to Samaria. We need to tell them, let me tell you about Jesus and what he can do in your life. Tell your neighbor, we need to go to Samaria. I've got a feeling that when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that color never did matter. I got a feeling when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that social status never did really matter. And I got a feeling when we get to heaven, we're going to look at some and say, I'm surprised. I didn't know, but economic status is no barrier to them getting to heaven. And educational levels is not a matter of them getting to heaven. We just need to go to Samaria and meet them where they are. I had a wake-up call this week. When I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me that there will be perfect racial integration in both heaven and hell. What is the church going to do about it? It's about to get tight in here. But when 26.7% of our city's population is of Latin or Spanish descent, CLC, we have a big job to do.
You all know I like statistics, but I'm going to bring you a few more. Let me tell you what I found out this week. Over 50, as a matter of fact, something like 51.7% of the population, the residents that live inside the city limits of Frankfurt. I'm just talking about here, right here within three miles of the church. Over 50% of the residents in our city claim no religious or church affiliation. That is 19,280 souls that have no church affiliation. But we think in order for us to do something from God, we got to go somewhere else. I'm really going to fulfill my ministry. I'm really going to, when God calls me, I'm going to go to, to, to Bolivia. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go, what are you doing in your own backyard? 19,000, 19,280 souls that has no religious affiliation. I'm not even talking about those that are in false doctrine. We have a mission field in our own backyard. We need to go to Samaria. I'm afraid, Pastor, I'm afraid what people may say. Let them mock, let them laugh, let them kick dust on your shoes, let them call your name, call names when you knock on their door or meet them on the street, but we still need to go to Samaria. Some are not going to accept you, but just keep on taking the living water to them because somebody somewhere is going to receive it. Someone said to me this week, Pastor, the last thing we need in this town is another church. I didn't even tell my wife or my children or my office staff. Not anybody connected with our church. Community leader in town said, The last thing we need in this town is another church. With a smile on my face and a cheerful voice, I never rebuked him. I never raised up against him. I never fought against him. I said to him, sir, we have something different. He said, we have social programs. We have everything that is needed in this town. We really didn't need another church to take some good economic, possibly economic development on the east side of town and turn it into a church. We lost massive tax revenue. Not everybody in town is rejoicing with you. I said, sir, again, we have something that not everybody has. He said, just tell me, what is it? I said, we have living water. 
He said, yada, 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 whatever that means. I said, let me tell you what it means. You come and try out our church on Sunday night, and I'm going to show you what it feels like to be in an apostolic church where the Holy Ghost is changing lives. Furthermore, I said, sir, we're on a mission from heaven. We are going to go into our city. And the 19,280 people that don't have a church or call a church home, we're going after every one of them. Not everyone's going to understand your mission. And not everybody's going to respond as you hope to your appeal. But eventually, mercy will find a way. The woman at the well said to him, Sir, give me this water. I know it's disappointing when you get turned down. I know it doesn't feel good to hear a no. But every time somebody tells you no, I want you to know you're one step closer to the next yes. I had to get that one out of the way, but the next one may be a yes. And if it's a no, wow, two down. I got one more to go to because sooner or later in Samaria, there's going to be somebody that's thirsty. There's going to be somebody that's been going through it. There's going to be somebody that's tried five husbands and the one they're living with is not their own. And they're going to look and say, give me that living water. Maybe somebody in this building tonight has made up their mind and is ready to say, give me this living water. You don't have to leave here tonight. If you haven't been filled with this water, you don't have to leave here without the water. But if you're in the room tonight and you're filled with the water, you ought to leave here and go to Samaria and find somebody that needs living water. But the woman at the well wasn't ready to do what Jesus asked her to do completely. By the way, most churches, oh, I'm walking on dangerous ground now. Most churches, would have baptized her, accepted her profession of faith, and called her a sister at the well. Handed her a tithing envelope and put her on their membership roll. But Jesus risked losing her membership because he wanted her to genuinely be born again. I know sometimes my preaching comes across a little hard, but it's better for you to leave lost and knowing you're lost than for you to leave lost and think you are saved. Jesus wanted her to have more than just a religious experience. He wanted her to be genuinely saved, so he called her to repentance. 
woman, he said, call your husband. He already knew she had five, and the one she was with wasn't her own. That's why that he called her to repentance. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he even talked to the woman. The disciples marveled that he even talked, even his disciples. The disciples rebuked Jesus for talking with an undesirable Samaritan. They didn't want that kind of people in their church. Why, after all, if the Pharisees found out about it, they would lose their reputation of holiness. I wonder... What would happen if the Pharisees found out she is an adulteress? After all, no respectable church would have a former adulteress. Mm. There will always be people around the church who will not want to have certain kinds of people dirty up their church but neither do they want the homeless the outcast the uneducated the needy the broke the unstable God send us Samaritans Better yet, God, send CLC to Samaria. Jesus didn't care about her race or her status. He just needed to go to Samaria. It didn't matter to him what type of sin it was. He only knew that there was mercy at the well for her. He didn't care about the reproach of the disciples or the ignorance of the Pharisees. He didn't care what the Jews would say when he got back home. All he knew was he needed to get to Samaria. He wasn't worried about his ministerial reputation. He wasn't worried about what folks were going to say. If this adulterous woman joined the church, he must needs go through Samaria. It does not matter what a person was before they came to God. And such were some of you. But now, we are washed. We are are sanctified. I wish I had a preaching church in here tonight. I know I've been preaching a little while. I know you're weary and tired on a Sunday evening, but I came tonight to tell you that you and I were no different from the adulterous woman. You may look and say, I would never have ever committed anything like that. No, but you would lie on your brother. You would tell a tale on your sister. You would rob God in your tithes and offerings. And such were some of you. It doesn't matter what a person was before they came to God. 
But all that matters is when they came to God and when they're called to repentance, their life is changed and they get up from the well and they are a new creature. We need to go to Samaria and quit worrying about what people are going to think about our church, but we need to go to Samaria and we need to find people that need God and we need to take the living water to them. I wonder tonight how many in this building need to make a trip to Samaria. How many are willing to go to Samaria? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you want to send me, God, send me. I would love to go to Europe, to Paris, to France. I would love to go see all the wondrous sights of the world. Oh, and while they're there, I'm going to pass out a flyer. But how many in this room are willing to leave the comfort of your living room tomorrow evening and when your family says, where, you're go- where are you going? You tell them, I'm going to Samaria. What are you doing there? When I get there, I'm going to find somebody that's weary from a sin-sick life. Thirsty and looking for a water. And when I get there, I'm going to tell them about Jesus that can give them living water. I'm going to tell you, CLC, when your family's going to be saved. It's going to be when you are willing to go to Samaria. The greatest testimony that you could possibly have is when you are willing to go to Samaria and reach those that nobody wants. I wasn't the first one to say it, but I'll repeat what I've heard, and many of you heard this statement. But when we reach those that nobody wants, God will send those that everybody wants. CLC, will you allow God to send you to Samaria? Would you go to places that normally you would never go? Would you reach out to people that normally you would never reach out to? Would you tell them about Jesus? Would you take them living water? Would you go as Jesus did? Would you go through Samaria? Jesus didn't go to Samaria to gain friends. He didn't go to Samaria to advocate, be an advocate of political issues. He didn't go to Samaria to compile a a downline. He went to Samaria to reach the lost. When are we going to recognize that our greatest mission on this earth is not to get the right people in the right places of political offices? But our reason for being on this earth is to go to Samaria and reach people. Maybe some of them nobody wants. Maybe some of them you can't possibly imagine spending too much time with yourself. But we've got to go to Samaria and take them living water. 
the lost is in Samaria. Will you go through Samaria? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm speaking to the members of Christian Life Church tonight. I'm not calling you to positions, to levels of ministry. We get so caught up with who's going to have the solo and who's going to be the next preacher, the next great evangelist, the great missionary. When really, what we need to worry about is who's going to be the greatest soul winner. Jesus said, I tell you who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. It's the one who is the least in the kingdom. Will you go through Samaria? I'm calling you children of God, people of God. I'm calling you Christian Life Church to make some commitments tonight. I'm not talking about next month. I'm not talking about waiting until life gets better. But on your journey tomorrow and this week, when you get up in the morning, would you just look at everybody around you and say, pardon me, I've got to go through Samaria. On your way to or from work, would you stop by Samaria? Would you call somebody that lives over in Samaria and would you invite them over to dinner this week? Would you meet them Saturday for coffee? Would you go to Samaria? Pastor, do you know their reputation? I don't really care. God doesn't really care because the blood of Jesus can wash the filthiest of sin white as snow. Next Sunday is going to be revival services right here. I'm going to preach a message toward the lost on Sunday morning. I'm asking you this week, would you go to Samaria and bring somebody that's thirsty? I'm tired of preaching salvation messages to people that aren't thirsty. But we need a house full of people that live in Samaria. And at 10.30 next Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost rain is going to sweep into this house. But between now and then, we're going to have to intentionally go to Samaria. There are needs in Samaria. They're going to bring those needs to church with them. The needs are going to come with them. We may not be able to meet every physical need of every person, but we can give them living water and they'll never thirst again. I wonder if there's anybody in the house tonight that would have the courage to stand to your feet from where you are and walk to the front of this room and say, Pastor, I'm making a commitment. 
I'm going to Samaria this week. If nobody else does it but me, I'm going to Samaria this week. If nobody in my home understands me, I'm going to Samaria this week. I must needs go through Samaria. I'm going to get to Judea. I'm going to get there. But on the way, i got to go through Samaria. There's hungry. There's hurting. There's thirsty. They're living in Samaria. Would you go to Samaria? This commitment is not to me tonight. This is between you and the Lord, but right where you are tonight. I'm not asking you to kneel, but if right if you want to kneel, that's fine. But right where you are, would you just lift your hands toward heaven and would you begin a commitment to God and let him know, God, I'm making a commitment to you that I'm going to Samaria this week. I'm taking living water to somebody that's thirsty. I must needs go through Samaria. Come on, make that a commitment to the Lord. Don't be ashamed. Would you make a real commitment? Don't fake your way through it. Don't, don't fake your way through it. Either make a real commitment or don't. But would you make that commitment tonight? Would you say, God, I'm going. I'm going to Samaria. I'm going to Samaria. Come on, make that commitment to him tonight. Have you made that commitment to God tonight? Will it be more than just going through the motions of the close of service?
can take what's wrong and make it right. Oh, day stars shine out on me. Let your love shine through me. I want to take this commitment one step further. If somebody next to you is close to you, maybe your spouse, a family member, a friend is standing close to you, I want you to, I want you to get together in groups of just two or maybe three, just small groups together. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to share with them. I feel that while I preach tonight that God has laid some people on your heart, some people from Samaria that God has laid on your heart tonight. And I just want you to speak to them. I want you to say this to them. I just want you to speak their name. And we're going to agree together in prayer here in just a moment that the Lord is going to open the door of opportunity for you to be able to step through. God's going to give you the courage to be able to speak what he wants you to speak. And that then the Spirit of God is going to take over and do the rest. Because you can't make people. How many of you know you can't make people? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to commit with somebody and say, I want you to pray with me, agree with me. This is the names of two or three people or maybe an area that you're going to. Maybe it's a street you're going to. Maybe it's certain names. Maybe it's family members. Whatever it is, I want you to just speak to some of this. This is where I'm going to go this week. This is my Samaria this week. Commit that to them. I want you to pray with me now. Agree together. The Bible said if two or three agree touching anything, that it would be done. And so here's what we're going to do now. I want you to make that commitment. Speak those names. I want you to agree together. If it's appropriate, take them by the hand. Lay a hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray together right now that God is going to open the door of opportunity. He's going to give you the courage to step through that door. And then the Holy Ghost is going to do the rest. Are you ready? Have you made that commitment? I want you to grab one another right now. Don't pray for me. I want you to pray one for another like you're praying for your closest friend. I want you to pray for salvation to be the product of this prayer right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to rest upon every person who has made a commitment in this house tonight. God, that as we go into Samaria this week, Lord, that you open doors of opportunity. You give us courage to step through that door that you open, that the Holy Ghost inspires and imparts, and your wisdom would fall upon us, and God, that you would do things that we could never do. And that next week, we start already seeing a harvest from the work that we're going to do this week in Samaria. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, now I want you to seal that prayer with a shout unto the Lord. I want you to declare it in Jesus' name. Declare it in Jesus' name. Declare it in Jesus' name. Let it be done.